to season two of Inside My Canoe Head, a podcast about individual emergency preparedness, living through a pandemic, reinventing yourself, and chasing adventure. My name is Jeff. Thanks for joining us today, and let's get to it. All right, welcome back to Inside My Canoe Head, my friends. Listen, we're going to do one of those top 10 lists. Everybody seems to like them. Uh, They garner a great response, so we're going to do it. We've got a complex... Maybe not complex, but a, a little bit elongated process here on Inside My Canoe Head on previous episodes about how to truly take the time and effort, dedicate, and become a prepared individual on my you know scale of one to five and a level of preparedness. You want to be a level three, which is a prepared individual. But sometimes some people just want the quick and easy and dirty solution. We tried it before. We're going to do it again, but we're going to do it better this time. So today we're going to talk about the 10 steps to preparedness. Simple, brilliant, and cheap. Let's get to it. All right, we've said here once, we've said here twice, we've said here three times. The most important question to ask in individual emergency preparedness anywhere, anytime is, who is responsible for your outcomes? There are two possible answers, yourself and anybody else. To be prepared individual, to adopt a prepared life, there is but only one response that you can choose, and that's yourself. You need to be responsible for your outcomes. Now, that doesn't mean you run off in the bushes and you live a self-reliant out of a yurt. We, we address that here. We, we don't talk about that kind of lifestyle. We talk about living your urban and suburban life, carrying on, rocking your, your, your friends. We're out in patios now, indoor dining. We're doing the stuff. We're having a great time. You want to continue that life, but you want to do it wrapped in a set of resilience. So the idea behind it is you have to accept responsibility for your outcomes. You're still going to access government programs. You're still going to build a community. You're still going to do a bunch of things to help you out. But in the end, you're responsible for your outcomes. It is not anybody else's responsibility to take care of you when disruptions occur. That's the first and foremost thing. You have to adopt that mindset. You have to accept that all of your outcomes are going to be your responsibility. Now, yes, stuff happens in life, but it's a mindset. That's the most important thing in preparedness. If you do nothing other than step one, and accept responsibility, you are markedly far ahead of your neighbors, friends, colleagues, or anybody else. It is the most important thing far before anything else. And number two is a basic planning principle, folks. Define your responsibilities. I'm serious, like people will jump in, they'll buy food, they'll do all kinds of this other stuff that you see all over YouTube and other podcasts and prepper junk as I like to call it out there, the apocatoc and all that disastrous nightmare stuff that you find out there, define your responsibilities. Before you can come up with a plan and then execute that plan, you have to define who you're responsible for. Today's modern society, families come in every shape and form and I think that's incredible and wonderful. You as an individual are the only person who can define who you are responsible for. That both means in a literal sense for another living human being. It could be pets. It could be certain households, certain property. Define your responsibilities. And if you think of it in a picture, what do you want to bring in and include in your world of preparedness? What is that? What does that look like? 
I can't define that for you. That's completely up to you. But before you can do absolutely anything to start becoming prepared, you have to define what is included in your responsibilities. The third one is easy. It is simply decide how long you wish to remain in your house without support. Now, there's a lot of people say you need 35 days of this, 60 days of this. You need five years of food supply to holy smokes. Dial the apocatoc back. You make a decision. And because we're doing the simple list, we're going to take it to the simple answer. How long do you want to be able to stay inside your current house taking care of your responsibilities if all of your public utilities are no longer available? I.e. basically you're disconnected from society. Somebody gave you a stay-at-home order for whatever reason and there's no water, power, sewer, gas or other utility hookup at your house. Put that set of lens on and decide what's good for me. Is it 30 days? Is it 60 days? It, you could say five years and have $37 in your bank account and you're not going to get anywhere. So we're talking logical here, folks. Because let's be frank, this is about, I mean, we're, I don't even talk about bugging in and bugging out really often on this channel. It makes no logical sense to leave your house. It's illogical. Everything you have in life that you own and property, etc., is in your house. And everything you have right now without doing a single thing is enough to survive. Why do I know that? Because you're still here. And so you obviously have everything you currently need to survive. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And it's all in your house. And it makes absolutely zero logical sense to leave your house. So that's why we look at in your house, no utilities. How long do you want to be comfortable for before you either have to leave your house or you have to get help elsewhere? And now that you have that, let's do the follow-up point. Number four, decide where will you go if you have to leave your house. Listen, everybody stays in their house. That's the only logical outcome that, that, that really planning can do for you in preparedness. Stay in your house. Now, however, there will be instances potentially in the future that you will be required to leave your house. Now, I'm not going to say ordered by a member of public safety because we're, then we're talking rights infringements, etc. I'm just talking a situation may occur when a wildfire is burning down your back of your house. You probably want to exit the front of your house. The point being is this is making the decision ahead of time and ask yourself the simplistic question. If I have to leave my house, where am I going to go? It doesn't matter why I have to leave the house. We don't talk about disaster risk reduction here. We talk about disaster impact reduction, which means I don't give a rat's you know what, why you have to leave your house. The point is, is one of the principal planning tools is to plan in advance. So you're going to think now, if I had to leave my house against my will due to something beyond my control, where am I going to go? And it's really not more complicated than that because you'll figure out how to get there, etc. Um, it could be your Uncle Bob's farm. It could be your sister's house. It could be your neighbor's place in another town three times over. It could be uh, any, any number of locations. The point being is that in the moment of an evacuation, if it is ever 
going to happen on a short notice. It is going to be a high stress environment. That is not the time to figure out where you are going to go. This doesn't cost you any money. It's just a cognitive thought process where you're going to determine based upon your responsibilities, who you're responsible for, how you evacuate, i.e. bus, what bike, car, truck, ATV, whatever your system may be, where am I going to go? So that when you evacuate, everybody knows we're going here. It's not a discussion point. It's simply about get out of Dodge. And if we want to keep it simple, we'll look at number five. And you've heard me say this phrase before, stick to your animalistic requirements. So if you want the simple prepper solution, the simple preparedness solution, stick with your five principles of survival, as I call them. Everybody's got these weird lists, the five C's of survival. I don't pretend to know more about survival than Dave Canterbury, so I would never challenge him. I don't know more about unconventional warfare than the gray-bearded green beret. So there are these wonderful people out there that are contributing to society with all of their great levels and societies. And what they're trying to do is organize your life and the things that you will need to have in place in order to increase the probability of success in a survival situation. I'm talking about staying in your home unless evacuation is absolutely necessary, okay? I'm not talking about having your axe and your fire tinder ready to go because that's probably not going to happen when you're in an urban and suburban environment. So stick to your animalistic. You need shelter. You have it in your house. So as a gray bearded green beret says, it's something to sleep in, something to sleep on, and something to sleep under. And your clothes require your first level of shelter. Cover that, you're good to go. Food, you need 2,000 calories a day, figure it out. What do you like to eat? Three, water. You need two liters of potable water a day, figure it out. You can figure it out, how to get that water, how to purify it, all that. First aid, you got to have a first aid kit and a boo-boo kit because I don't care if you think a first aid kit is whiskey and duct tape, which for a lot it is. I mean, duct tape will cover a wound and whiskey antiseptic, nobody really denies a nice shot of whiskey because it's delicious. The point being is, is you need a first aid kit. In reality, at the simplistic, you're a big, tough individual who can fight through a lot infection will take you down to your knees in a heartbeat and you can lose limbs because of a simple infection that can be beaten by an antibiotic cream and a band-aid so don't think you're too tough for that if you do you're missing the whole point of first aid okay we're not talking about putting tourniquets on we're talking about making sure that you can take care of yourself and little infections and cuts that can cause you to lose hands and a various other things so just keep it to that and the last thing is security and in the security idea being is is you're in a safe environment and in your home that's just generally going to be a lock set of solid doors with good dead bolts maybe a couple of cameras and if you don't have any money go get one of those ADT signs and put it in your front lawn and there's guys on on uh, Kijiji that for like five bucks will sell a fake camera nobody knows it you can probably tell it's fake when they get right up to your door but big camera on your two or three of these fake things on the corner of your house and an ADT sign people are going to the next house you got your security down pat you can take it to whatever level you want to but these are the basic five animalistic requirements keep it to that 
So now we're on to the second five. Now the second five is after you've done the first five and you've got your basics covered. Now we're going to talk about what we do to keep building that uh, blanket of resilience out. Your ability to, to navigate and be able to get through shocks and disruptions as they occur in society. Now I've done whole episodes and many different podcasts on the reliance on critical infrastructure and the 10 sectors of critical infrastructure and how individuals are reliant on those in a modern and urban environment. Telecommunications, government, financial, banking, food, water, sewer. We could go on and on. The point being is this number six is all about building resilience in your reliance on the critical infrastructure. So that means building a food supply building alternate methods of acquiring food. And one of the great things that I do is I have a CSA every year, Community Supported Agriculture. So in February, I throw 500 bucks at a local farmer, hasn't even put anything in the ground yet. We both take the risk of what the harvest will look like. If it's a bounty harvest, it's bounty for both of us. If it's not a bounty harvest, then I don't get a bounty amount of vegetables, but I get my vegetables pretty much year round from a local farm within 40 kilometers of my house. So when you're looking at the produce and fruit prices that go through the roof of the grocery store, that's not something that affects my life. So that's about building resilience. It's not necessarily spending more money or putting a year's food supply in your house. It's about having different options. So look at all the critical infrastructure that you rely upon and then figure out ways to do it differently that's not gonna cost you any money. Because everything I give you here today is cheap and it needs to be cheap because preparing us, preparedness is not an expensive venture. Most people who tell you to spend a lot of money on things are people who have a lot of things to sell you so that you can spend money on. It should be almost free. There are a few things that do take a nominal amount of money, but they are worthwhile investments. I'm talking very, very low, far below what a welfare check can afford. I'll just put it bluntly like that. So you, it basically takes away the excuse of money as being a reason why you're not prepared. You're making a conscious decision not to do the work. It's not money. So we keep it simple. Number seven, have multiple lines of income. Everybody loves this. I actually got called out and roasted online for an interview that I did for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation where I was telling people to have a, a side hustle, a side gig, whatever you want to call it nowadays. In the early parts of the pandemic, I said, this is just insulation for your income. I mean, don't think that you have one job, one line of income, and everything you're always going to have that, and it's going to be around. You know, that that's, that's uh, exceptionally precarious position to put you and potentially those you're responsible for at risk because you're relying on a single income to pay your bills. Uh, that's very, very dangerous. When I mean multiple lines of income, I have one that brings in $332 a month. I have one that brings in $410 a month. But when I put them together, they actually produce enough money that I'm not going to starve to death if my primary source of income no longer becomes available. I use that phrase because in multiple lines of income, there's a simple question I'll ask you. What are you going to do when you get fired? Now, maybe you figure that out through the pandemic. If your employment stopped, 
your answer needs not be, I'm going to get a big fat government check and they're going to pay me to sit on my arse. That's not the answer. The answer is, what job are you going to pivot to when you get fired? Have that conversation now while you're fully employed. That's the point. The idea of preparedness is not, you don't have to go out and spend money. You have to spend time thinking about what am I going to do when I get fired? When my boss lays me off, my job, it could be simple as I work at an, you know, this great little small company and the building burned down on Saturday night. I don't have employment. I, I have nothing. You need to plan for that ahead of time. You know, I've got some great skills. I can earn some money over here, here, and here. I could do this little side gig for 100 bucks a month online, a couple hours to do that. Figure those out. They don't cost any money to execute. They cost time to figure out. Then you're never in monetary paralysis when you get fired or all of a sudden your paycheck is no longer available and you have to go running to the government because without the government, you're going to be poor or out on the streets. That is a precariously dangerous position to put yourself in. Number one thing I tell people, it's number eight, but, it, but it's, one of the, it's one of the things you can do and it costs no money. Build your community. Go out and meet people. Grip and grin with your neighbor or pump elbows or whatever we do now in COVID-19 land. Build a community around you. Know your neighbors. Get to know them. Ingratiate. Have a relationship, a friendly relationship. I don't mean stack together a bunch of preppers and have this little private community. I'm talking about your community around you, the physical, spiritual, and community sense of the human beings who live around you. I live in a townhouse. Okay, my wife calls it Burger Row every time we come flying up here because every damn thing looks the same. The point being is, is know your neighbors, know about them, get to know them, laugh at them, smile at them. Every time somebody walks down the street, I say good morning, good afternoon. I become a friendly face. The point being is when you, and it's a, something that I study for my PhD, when you get access to an individual, you get access to social capital. That are your bonds. And now you have access to not only that individual, but potentially their relationships and their resources, financial, virtual, personal, physical tools, whatever it may be. You build a set of community of like-minded people who, again, you're all interested in rocking an awesome life in urban and suburbia. You're but you just get to know people around you. It's something that previous generations did far better than we do today. And it's free of charge. And it is the most important thing you can do. If, asked, if people ask me, uh, what's the one thing I can do to start preparedness? I said, what's your neighbor's first name? And most of them don't know the answer. And I said, you just got your answer right there. Go meet them. Shake their hands. Get to know them. You now have built somebody you can call. Build somebody you can rely upon. And number nine, skills. There are a couple of skills that are actually quite necessary. Number one, if you've decided to procure any tool, make sure the tool fits an exacting need that you've defined before you buy the tool. Don't ever take a recommendation from somebody online. If I have a need to do something and I don't have the tool to do that, then you procure the tool. The idea of basic skills is, is that you need to know how to use your tools. The most important one I always say is take a first aid course. Don't watch videos. 
That is the one thing that I will tell you on this channel to invest your money in. In Canada, go to the Red Cross or St. John Ambulance, take a basic first aid course that'll teach you all the things you need to know to stabilize and help those in need at the time of an emergency or a disruption and it'll help you then design and build a small first aid kit that will meet the likely incidents that will occur in your life. It is the one skill that I would invest in. If you have an axe for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe you have a wood-burning fireplace, great. Make sure you know how to use the axe properly. And one of the most important things is gardening. Now, everybody wants to build a massive self-reliant garden. I live in a townhouse. I got a poacher stamp back lot. That's not happening. But what I do is I try to keep plants alive every year. And I know that sounds funny, but some of you are going to understand. Like, I have a habit of killing everything that's green, right? I'm desperately trying to keep a bunch of plants alive. So what I'm trying to build is my knowledge of basic soil. And this is all free on the internet. Remember, it's like Elon Musk says, you don't need to go to college. Anything you want to learn in the world is free of charge on the internet, which means skills cost you nothing other than the first aid. You need to do that in person from a... Uh, from an expert, but when we look at all your other skills, gardening, learn soil, because there's a great, Paul Salatin is a great uh, regenerative farmer, and he talks about the link between your gut biome and your intestines and the health of the human, of the soil that grows our food, and it is so truthful to just understand how to put some seeds in, grow a seedling, transplant it, and harvest the production from the plant. It's really that simple based upon where you live. Like everybody's in different zones in North America and around the world. So I live in zone three. So in zone three, this is the time of year. This is how we have to raise. And I'm talking about just getting a couple of bulls from the kitchen or old things. It, it, it'll cost you a grand total of about seven bucks, including soil to put, you know, 10 or 12 green bean plants up. I love green beans. They're awesome. But that's the point that I'm talking about. It's not complex. Learn the basic skills of how to produce food. Uh, number one, because it never gets old. And number two, there is such a wonderful benefit in the mental health. When you slow down and you stick your fingers in the soil and you manipulate, it's just, it's incredible. And the last, but never the least, give back, pay it forward. Something incredibly important in our society we don't do enough of give back to your society. It's huge on building those community relationships that I talked about. Volunteer your time. The time is the most important asset that you have. You can always get more money through different ways. You can never get more time. Volunteer at your local food bank, your local mission, your local Meals on Wheels, whatever it may be, whatever causes near and dear to your heart, give back to your community pay it for it often when you have a set of skills like gardening set up you know send around to your neighborhood hey listen i got some gardening skills i found another friend who's got some gardening skills we're going to offer a free clinic in my backyard saturday come on around we're going to show you how to do this free of charge pay it forward build the skill set help build collective resilience in society so that's your quick and dirty 10 and this is the easy way to do it right Get your 10 steps to preparedness. It's simple, it's brilliant, it's cheap. If anybody tells you preparedness costs a lot of money, then they are trying to milk your wallet for some dough. Don't take them up on it. 
dial back the apocatop. The world is not collapsing. We're not going down into a horrible period of acrimonious relationship. Yeah, there's a few places around the world who are having significant disruption. I've been trying to get a hold of a friend of mine who lives in Germany. Uh, I haven't spoken to her in a week. I hope you're well. Uh, but just take the time to become prepared. Follow my simple list. Re listen to some previous episodes if you want the detailed. Like, uh, tell us all about what we're doing good here. Tell us what we're doing bad. I love all your commentary, good, bad, or indifferent. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us here at Inside My Canoe Head. Stay safe, stay warm, wear a mask, get a jab, and let's get out to this post-COVID world. Yeah.